right, well, let's try this again. So for those of you who follow this pinball podcast on a weekly basis, you'll notice that episode 285 of Canada's Pinball Podcast has been deleted from the chronicles of this podcast. And the reason why is apparently the conversation we were having around Stern Pinball's wholesale pricing uh, has some people over at Stern Pinball really upset. And look, instead of getting other people in trouble, I thought it would just be easier to take down the episode. But the truth is out there. We all kind of know what the ballpark is for Stern Pinball wholesale prices. And look, I don't think anyone out there is surprised that Stern Pinball is the one pinball company that actually makes money in the pinball industry, that actually builds in profit for not only them, but also profit for their distributors. And that's why Stern Pinball is so successful. But what I think Stern doesn't want you to think about, and this is why they're upset, is they don't want you to think about what the actual cost per machine is to them. Because then you'll weigh that against what you're paying as the customer And I don't think Stern wants many of us to ask, are we really getting $7,500 to $9,000 in value in each of these machines? I don't think they want you thinking that. I, I think they want you to constantly be jumping into every new title regardless, all right? Now, to summarize the last episode, we went into that. We went into the fact that Toy Story the movie was very highly reviewed and Pirates of the Caribbean was panned by the media and by the critics and that makes it a stupid pinball theme for Jersey Jack to go in on and I still agree with that but here's what we're going to do on this episode Um, two things I'm going to air for you uh, Blake Dumasnil and me doing the Torpy Awards which are the worst things that have happened in pinball this year all right, it is the reverse of the Twippies. The Twippy celebrates the best, and the Torpies celebrates the worst. And it's a really fun episode. I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. Um, the other thing I want to do is I want to once again challenge Ed Robertson to come on the show because uh, I challenged him on the last episode, but now that episode has been deleted. And the, the reason why I want Ed Robertson to come on this show is Ed has been blowing up my phone telling me that I'm getting this entire hobby wrong. That it's all about the fact that these games are fun, Chris, and you don't know what you're talking about. You know, what does it matter, Chris? What does it matter if a game is $9,000 or $25,000 if someone is having fun playing the machine? Now, I'm here today on this episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast um, to play for you, to play for you, what goes on in Ed Robertson's home before he orders his next Stern machine? This is actual audio file from Ed Robertson's game room right before he places an order in to Stern Pimple. I want to play it for you now so you hear it. Sweet! She got everything! And what could you need? Oh, baby! 
so fun. I'm gonna have me 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 so fun. And then he places his order for Supreme Pinball. Now, Ed, we know you're going to have yourself some fun with every new pinball launch. But I actually want Ed to come on because, like I said to him, I'm not going to give you softball questions like Nate's show. I actually want to debate with Ed on if he really thinks we're getting our money's worth on these games. And I think it would be a good dialogue. Now, speaking of money's worth... Um, this is going to be a really fun hour and a half episode. I know, I know I'm breaking my own rules, but this is one of the fun ones. I had a glass of whiskey and Blake and I talk all about the Twerpy Awards. Uh, and I want to air that for you right now. Everyone, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. I hope you enjoyed time with your friends and family and put all of this hobby in perspective that it's just a toy we're having fun with. I hope you're getting entertainment here. I hope you guys vote for this show for the Twippy Awards this year whenever they're going to happen. God knows when that's going to happen. What What's the deal, guys? Reveal it. Come on. I got to get my votes in line. Um, anyway, here we go. Blake and Chris talking about the Twerpies 2018. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome to Canada's Pinball Podcast, Blake Dumasnil, artist, pinball extraordinaire. Blake, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks. Uh, Glad to be back, Chris. And this is going to be a fun one. It's Sunday night. I've got a glass of whiskey next to me. I know you had a few margaritas, right? Yeah. And we're going to select our picks for the 2018 Twerpy Awards. Now, for those of you who are not familiar, the Twerpy Awards were set up by Head to Head Pinball to, um, to honor the worst in pinball, which is what we're going to do tonight. Sounds good. I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited. Like it's kind of what we do on this podcast every single week, um, but we'll we'll now do it in a more um, tight format. So before we do that, a couple things I want to mention, Blake. Um, first and foremost, for those of you who listen to this show, you might have noticed that episode 285 has been deleted from the Chronicles of Canada's Pinball Podcast, and the reason why it appears that. Talking about Stern's wholesale prices has upset Stern Pinball. Now, I'm just happy, Blake, that Stern Pinball listens to the show. Sure, sure. I mean, it's it's good to hear that you know they're paying attention to what's going on out there, regardless of whether they're hearing things they want to hear or not. Right. Well, and I think too, like like I don't think anyone's shocked that Stern makes no. money on pinball machines. That there's a there's a margin of profit built in right. for them and the distributor to make money. Absolutely. And I mean, anybody that's got a good relationship with their distributor has probably gotten the rundown on what the actual prices are for a lot of these things and what they're paying. You know, I mean, uh, I don't think that that should come as a huge surprise to anybody. No. And nobody who pays $9,000 for a Stern LE feels like they're getting a $9,000 machine. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's very hard to look at some of these machines and and see how you can justify those costs. Right. Right. Well, look, to all the stern people who listen to this show, I'm sorry that we let the cat out of the bag a little bit, that we totally get fleeced on your LE games. So if, we, if, we, if you could unlisten to what we said, we, we apologize. But I'm glad you guys listen. I, I, I would happily welcome anyone from Stern onto the show. Now, speaking of Stern, uh, Blake, we finally saw another Stern title, which is crazy that they revealed Primus Pinball right on top of, like, 
Beatles. Like, all these games are coming out. It's hard to keep track of of, of what's actually shipping, what's on the line. But did, did you get a chance to see Primus Pinball? And what are your thoughts? Yeah, I checked it out on Friday. It was kind of, um, kind of an odd day for it to drop, it seemed like, just because I think everybody's just still been talking about the Beatles a lot. And... Um, Anyways, overall, I, I think it's a beautiful game. I think it's very much what everyone would expect, um, you know, Zombie Yeti and this uh, Zoltron uh, gentleman to do based on what they've done for the band in the past. Uh, you know, I, I think the biggest question was, was this game going to be something other than Wonelli reskinned again? Was it going to be, you know, another more simplistic layout? I personally thought that maybe it might be, you know, like a Spider-Man Home Edition, you know, reskinned again. Uh, so I, I have to admit, I was a little surprised that it was Wonelli again, just because they've already done that game twice, you know, in two different formats. So, right. um, but overall, I think it's a beautiful game. I, I mean, I'm still a huge fan of zombie Yeti's work and, um, I think it's, it's really cool to see how these two artists can really seamlessly bring their stuff together. Cause it, you really can't tell whose work is whose on this game for the most part. Um, but you know, I, I don't know anything about Primus as a band. I've never listened to their music before. Uh, I had only ever seen what Jeremy's done for them in terms of, um, you know, show posters and stuff. And I think that it, you know, they, they hit the nail on the head in terms of theme integration. Um, but as far as anybody that was wanting more out of the game, I, I think that a lot of people vocalized it very well on Pinside that, you know, for a band like Primus that is a very niche band and, and they've probably got a very small but dedicated following, um, you know, it was going to be surprising if Stern was going to put any new mechanisms or new toys or custom sculpted stuff into that kind of a game for, um, you know, a, a very isolated target audience. Right. Well, then, look, this is, this is a contract-manufactured game. It means that Primus went to Stern with, you know, Jeremy brokering this deal, and they said, hey, if we're going to make a limited pinball machine, what are our options, right? And to your point, they're not going to R&D them a brand-new game that takes a year to make when they're only going to make 100 of them. They, they couldn't afford to do that. Um, and, look, all these games are sold. You know who bought them all? Primus. Now it's up to Primus to sell the 100 games to people. Right. right. Yeah. And I mean, I think that they can kind of ask what they want of these games. Um, I think the price was once again a little surprising uh, given what you're getting. I mean, people were surprised about the price of Wonelli when it came out a few years ago. So, and now that we're seeing an even more expensive version of the same game, um, you know, it's it's clearly being marketed to the people that are dedicated to that band and wanting something like that. This is really no different than what they did with the Supreme Machine. And with Beatles, right? We have a back-to-back, back-to-back contract-manufactured games. I mean, right? I mean, Deadpool was the last game that Stern made. These are two games that are contract-manufactured um, one by Kapow and one by Primus. And I think that's a little bit like, I think that's what's got people a little like unsettled is they need to look at these contract manufactured games differently. I mean, I could go to Stern tomorrow and get them to contract manufacture build Canada's pinball podcast pinball machine if I had enough cash to pay them. They do it. Right. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it's it's interesting that you mentioned that the Beatles is kind of considered a contract manufactured game because in a sense, 
It is. I don't think that they're considering this a cornerstone title like they did with Batman 66, uh, even though that was a Kapow game. But the Beatles is one of those games that probably should have been a cornerstone title for them. And I think I could see where there's some frustration from folks that, you know, that this was really just a reskin game with a few additional minor features to it when there was so much more opportunity and potential for doing something other than that. Right, right. Well, you're, I think you're right, and I think people want it more from the Beatles, but I think, again, they're going to sell probably every one of them. Um, but sure. here's, here's the thing I was reading, too, on Pinside, and then we're going to get to the Torpies, people. It's going to be awesome. I just had a couple sips of whiskey, so it's going to get even better as we go. Um, I saw that Zombie Yeti sort of broke his own vow of silence because we know that he's been sort of like ready to depart the pinball world for good, and this was his final project for a while. He chimed in. And just to paraphrase what he said, he's like, look, you know, I, I've been reading all the commentary, all the feedback, and I think people need to realize that, you know, Stern doesn't mail it in, that there are people working weekends, that there is an army of people that are super passionate and dedicated to these projects, that if you knew how hard people worked on these things, you wouldn't be so critical. Now, here's my thing, Blake, is I look at it like, well, look, the only reason why we don't know about all the backstory and all the people who are passionate about these projects is because Stern won't talk to us. They won't share those stories. So how are we supposed to know how much of a minor miracle it was to get the Beatles or to get Primus, right? They don't share their stories with us. Yeah, I, I think that I think that's a really good point. Uh, from their standpoint, I understand why they don't do it, only because I think that they... They want to just focus on selling the product, letting the product be out there on its own merit and not mudding the waters of, well, you know, you're lucky that we got this out the door because there was so much of this drama going on behind the scenes. And I think that by just focusing on the machines themselves, regardless of what people are going to say, it keeps the drama to a minimum, even though there's always going to be pin side drama and, you know, reactionary drama to when these things are unveiled. But absolutely. I, I, I get it. I, I totally get it, and I can't fault them for that. I understand what you're saying. I think that people would appreciate things a lot more if they knew the whole story, but here's the thing. It's Stern's business. It's their product. They want their product to be perceived a certain way, not that um, you know this thing barely got made, but that, hey, this is an amazing machine, and here's why you should buy it. Right. I had another sip of whiskey, and it brings out the truth in me, but here's <laughs> – Here's how I look at it, though, too. And, and I think this is what Stern would love to control in all of us. They want us to feel like we're getting what we pay for when we pay $7,500 or $9,000 for these machines. But what I hear, and I hear this from people at Stern and from designers, is that stuff gets yanked out of the machines. That a lot of the magic that these designers want to put into these machines gets yanked out, and it's a battle internally within Stern for these designers to get the magic into the machines. And so I just don't buy it, Blake, in the sense that we, we kind of got a little bit of an insight what it actually costs Stern to make these games and then what they're selling those games for. So I don't feel, I, I don't always feel like we're getting what we pay for. And it would be very convenient for Stern to get us all to turn off our, our, criti our criticisms or our, our higher expectations of what we feel we, we should get. And we should just always be happy that Stern is making games and shut up. 
yeah, I, I definitely think there's some of that. Um, I agree with you that I think that it's it's kind of surprising because some games you you do really see the level of passion. You see where they tried everything they could to put as much into that game as possible and still keep the prices you know uh, manageable and you feel like you're getting a lot for your money but then there are other games where you can't help but feel like it's just a huge money grab Um, and and these last few games and the price points that they've been at they absolutely feel that way you know i i had kind of felt like a few years ago that maybe we were turning the tide on that as soon as they started bringing in these really talented artists they started putting more in the games um, than what we had been seeing uh, back around the 2010-2011 time frame. But ultimately, we've almost reverted back to that era just with much better artwork, especially if you compare what's going into some of these games uh, to what was being put in the games back in the 2000s. You know, There were a lot of games that a lot of people don't consider to be very good, but man, did they put a lot of cool stuff in there. Right. Yeah, and look, Stern's running a business, and we 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 throw Stern enough bones on this show. I I say it time and time again. Like we are thankful for Stern. Um, they are bringing the best themes in pinball out into the world, and we just want to get what we pay for. That's the other part of it. Like we just want to get the magic back. And so, you know, I think it's hit or miss on whether or not the games that have come out in the last few years have been magical. But we'll leave it at that. Let's move on to what everyone has been waiting for is for our podcast to hijack another podcast creative <laughs> idea because this is what we do best at Canada's <laughs> Spitball Podcast. We steal other ideas from Ryan and Marty. So let's, you got the Google Doc open. Um, I like that they made it so easy for us to do it this way because we can just like, it has like a drop down window and everything. Um, so it's going to be super simple for us to do this. You know, as I say that, I, it, I just clicked something and now I've lost it. Hold on one second. <laughs> well, you know, kudos to Marty and Ryan for, you know, doing a spin on what Jeff at uh, This Week at Pinball is doing. And when I saw that they posted this uh, this survey, I, I certainly got a good laugh out of it. And, um, you know, even though this is certainly meant to be fun, I think that there's also some some brutal honesty that you know they're going to find from the results of this poll <laughs> right and, and this is a controversial thing they do you know I, I read that people some people are not happy that they're celebrating the worst in pinball that we should you know that they think that's too negative i think it's i think it's all in good fun i, I think this is why they do it and i think anyone who takes this so seriously probably needs a new hobby yeah, I mean, th- this is no more negative than any of the stuff that we're seeing in pen- on Pennside in terms of responses to some of these games. In right. fact, I I would say that some of that is a whole lot worse than just doing a a survey of what everybody actually thinks about where there were some shortcomings in pinball this year. Right. So here's how we're going to do it. Let's start at the bottom of their list and work our way to the top because I actually think the bigger topics are at the top of their list. So we'll go- we'll work our way up. How's that sound? Sounds great. And what we'll do is this. Blake and I have not discussed our answers. We are going to give them to you, not live, but live in real time as we do this. Um, and then we'll flip-flop. So I'll do mine first on one question, then we'll, then you go first on the next question. How's that sound? Sounds good. All right. So the first question, which I'm glad was at it, is the worst pinball podcast. <laughs> and I want to give the honest answer that I think it's Canada's Pinball Podcast. 
wow, you know, I think we have to agree on something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this show is I think, terrible. I think that this it's is... <laughs> so bad it's good, though. Is Seriously, like, this show is so bad it's good. And I hope Marty and Ryan use that clip after all those lap tracks. <laughs> I, I am honored to be on the absolute worst pinball podcast uh, on the internet right now. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if anyone ever uh, fact, che- fact checks this show, Blake, I mean, this show gets it wrong more than any <laughs> other show out there. Because as, as I tell people, I, I barely know what I'm talking about, but I know just enough. You know, I, I think that this was a this was a question that a lot of people were wanting to have an answer to just just because of the principle of it. But um, in, in all brutal honesty, I don't think that this is the worst pinball podcast <laughs> out there. I actually think that you do a great job uh, keeping people up to date with what's going on, and you definitely try to to get the news out there and some feedback on it when it hits. So I would say that there are a number of other pinball podcasts that, that I don't listen to that regularly that – um, my biggest complaint would be a lot of them just have a tendency to drag on and on and on, uh, and you know, just get to the point more quickly. <laughs> right. Do you, do you have a specific one you want to call out or we could, we could avoid being like, that's like probably the meanest thing we could do is shit on someone's podcast because yeah. they make no money doing it. Like we can shit on the manufacturers and because they actually <laughs> have a team of people working at these games. Um, all right. So let's go next. See, this one, the worst arguments on Slam the Top 100. Now, this is a an inside baseball Marty or Ryan thing. So, I it's either the t- two choices are Martin McLaffey <laughs> and Ryan um McStumbles on his words. So, so Blake, which one? Uh I think I've got to go with uh, just Marty laughing at everything. <laughs> I think that that's probably a little bit more, um, I don't know, obnoxious. I don't know. I don't know. It's not obnoxious. It's just uh, it feels like it's just false filler for the show. You know, it's like you start breaking up laughing, which was let's pause for let's, right let's pause for eight seconds now because I'm going to edit in a Marty laugh right now. Ready? Let's let's just. <laughs> You know, I can hear it in my head, too. It's going to be great when we put that in. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think the, the, the Martin McLaffey, to me, I, I just don't get what's so funny. Like, it literally, it's, I, I enjoy that he's enthusiastic about it, but the stuff literally sounds like he's dying. <laughs> well, there's a reason that you've been able to use it so effectively on the show. Um, it's actually really funny. I've got to admit that I laugh every time you use it on the show now, but um, I feel like it's just it's what happens when you've kind of exhausted a topic and you don't know what else to say next about that subject or how to transition into the next topic. So, right, right. All right. Well, okay. So let let's move on to the next one. Um, the worst company image public relations the options here are home pin pinball brothers highway pinball wow this one's gonna be hard deep root chicago gaming company american pinball dutch pinball team pinball jersey jack pinball spooky pinball p3 and stern so the question here, Blake, is the worst company image, public relations. So which out of all these companies do, you, do we think has the worst like PR image and problem and issues and crisis that they're dealing with? Now, 
All right, I'm going to go first, and I'm going to say, oh, well, this is so difficult because, you know, I've got crazy Mike over at Homepin, who's like the biggest PR disaster. Um, the Pinball Brothers, oh, Dutch Pinball, I would say out of all these, if I were to really look at it through the lens of public relations, like how this company relates to the public, I would say that Mike from Homepin takes my Torpy for the worst public relations company. And the reason why, Blake, my rationale is he's actually trying to relate to his public, where I think these other guys are like just go radio silent forever. But this guy says the dumbest stuff ever to his customers. Like, I, I can't even believe he's trying to like win people over to get them to buy his product. And he sticks his foot in his mouth every time he talks. So that's my vote. Yeah. So my vote is also for HomePin. And it's mostly because, like you said, when we're talking about actual public relations and the, the image that you're trying to put on for your company – I think that Mike has just really shot himself on the foot and has um, not been a good figurehead for, for his company whatsoever. Now, with that said, I do think that company image also can certainly uh, be impacted by absolutely you know, radio silence and having no communication with customers whatsoever. And I think that that's actually been much worse with the Pinball Brothers and Highway. I think that Dutch, for all the issues they've had, have actually still managed to make some communications and put them out there. Uh, granted, I don't think that they've been in a timely manner as they needed to be. But I think Highway, I think just the fact that Andrew could get online and just lie to people blatantly, lie to them on Pinside, lie to them at shows, and not be completely honest about things, and then allow the company to to turn into what it did um, – I think that puts them neck and neck with HomePin. I mean, HomePin, I'll say this, you know, as much of an asshole as people might think Mike is, uh, and, and he's made himself out to be one in some of the things he said, he's at least still keeping his business afloat, you know, so far. I mean, right, right. but what Andrew did with Highway, I think was just awful. Right. So you did what I wanted to do moving forward, was, which is give our runner-up as well, because I think, you know, that makes it a little bit more interesting. So my runner-up for this in terms of um, worst company image, public relations, I I'm going to do a little bit of an oddball one. I, I think Team Pinball and the Mafia Pinball game is, is probably the worst company image <laughs> just because the cause it's like the, out of all these, Blake, it's the one where like the game is just something that's so bad that nobody wants it that not you couldn't even if you had the best public relations in the world you still couldn't convince people to buy that game uh, and at least like the other people out there the products they have are still things people want even though the people associated with them are bad i think the team pinball people are good people but they just made something that is a public relations disaster all right do you agree with that uh you know i don't think that they've done anything that has harmed anybody yet in terms of screwing people over on games or money or any of that. So as far as the company image goes, I, while I agree that maybe their, their first effort was not something that's desirable to anybody. Um, I don't know that they have necessarily screwed up in terms right. of how they've, how they're perceived by people. I think right. that maybe they just made a product that nobody really cares about, right. you know? Yeah. No, I, 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 I buy that. All right. So the next category is worst rumored upcoming title, okay? 
And we have Jersey Jack's Willy Wonka, Jersey Jack's Toy Story, Deep Root, um, Fire and Brimstone. I don't know if that's been confirmed. <laughs> Home Pin, Chinese Unlisted Feed. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's really what we all have been waiting for. Um, Deep Root Magic Girl, Chicago Gaming Company Big Bang Bar, Deep Root Raza, Stern Primus, which we now know is real, um, Chicago Gaming Cactus Canyon, Spooky Scott Denise's second game, Stern Superman 1968, Stern Munsters, Stern Beetlejuice, Deep Root Alice in Wonderland, Stern Godzilla, Jersey Jack Pinball Guns N' Roses, Chicago Gaming Company Theater of Magic, Stern Elvira 3, Stern Steve Ritchie original theme. I mean, this is even missing like Back to the Future Deep Root. There's a yeah. lot, right? There's a lot that are that is in the rumor mill. Like Jaws is always in there. But out of this list, the worst rumored upcoming title. So Blake, you go first on this one. Oh, I hands down, I got to give it to uh, Homepin's uh, Chinese unlicensed theme. I mean, this this category is something that honestly the companies ought to all be reading whatever the results are to this because this is exactly what people are going to want to see or not want to see and if any of these companies are going down this path then they might consider doing a u-turn but you know um once again i think the way that mike has approached licensing um and the types of games that he wants to make for the customer base that he says he's going after is not that that's just completely missing your market that's not who's buying pinball machines while he may see a lot of potential in tapping into some market in china that doesn't care about pinball yet because the right theme hasn't been put out there uh i just think that is in terms of everybody else that's supporting pinball that doesn't matter. And I right. mean, I would rather see every single one of these other games before whatever they're going to produce. Absolutely. So I, I agree. I think almost all these titles on here, I would, I would love to play. I, I, I'm going to pick deep root fire and brimstone as probably one that I could live in a world without for the rest yeah. of my life. Um, I, I, I don't know if I think that was like more of a joke that they were going to make that or they were considering it. So I think that and the Chinese unlicensed theme for me are the two that just like nobody, nobody's looking forward to. Everything else in this list, I, I, I think, has 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 a pretty strong um, follower, follow it, follower, like my whiskey's getting to me, has has a pretty strong like following and, and people are looking forward to it. And, and I think they would be pretty big titles if they came out. Yeah, I mean, e even if you go through, you look at all of these, they're either based off of games that we know because that we know about because they exist already or they're themes that we're familiar with. And even Steve Ritchie's original theme, I would be way more excited with than let's say Fire and Brimstone as as a runner up just because I think a Steve Ritchie original theme since it's been so long could be a fantastic game if he really gets back to his roots and does something like Black Knight or Firepower or something along those lines. Fire and Brimstone, I'll say this. I'm super excited about Deep Root, and I I think that the more we hear about them, the more they seem to legitimately be working on something special. And I wouldn't necessarily pass judgment on a Fire and Brimstone title only because I can at least visualize the potential of the artwork and sort of the, the action-adventure, you know, uh, theme behind that so i wouldn't completely write that off but yeah if you're talking about that versus you know willy wonka or elvira or alice in wonderland even you know there are 
many better themes out there to tackle than that. A absolutely. All right, I took another drink of whiskey, which is probably not a good idea. Brendan's like, <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing? It's like Sunday night. I'm like, I, we got to do the twerpies. This, is, this has to happen. <laughs> All right, the next category sounds fun. The biggest clusterfuck drama of the year. And I'll read these. We have Todd Tucky's book deal. That was one sweet, dramatic thread. <laughs> um, we have Jersey Jack Pirates removing three spinning discs and other changes to the game. We have John Papaduke's ongoing Zidware legal case. Um, we have Homepin shipping first machine to Canada instead of Australia. We have Canada being banned from the New York City tournament for throwing a drink in someone's face. I, I'm glad I made the list. That was... Uh, <laughs> Stern Beatles being expensive and a Sea Witch modified layout. Uh, Supreme Pinball. Uh, Stern getting Godzilla license that Spooky wanted. Highway Pinball Collapse. Oktoberfest monkey ass grabbing art. And Dutch <laughs> Pinball contract issues. So this is <sighs> the biggest clusterfuck of the year. Um, whose turn is it? Is it my turn to go first? I think it's your turn to go first. Right. Even though I, you know, even though I did try really hard to win this category with my drink throwing episode, I consider the biggest clusterfuck of the year. Um, as I look at this list, uh, you know, I'm going to have to say just because I, I think this clusterfuck, you know, I, I'm torn between two. So I'm going to give you what I think is the biggest clusterfuck of the year because I think it actually. Um, surprise a lot of people is the Jersey Jack Pinball Pirates clusterfuck of of the game being delayed a year, then yanking out the very items that they use to sell the game. Um, that's my number one. I'll give you rationale for that. Is I just think like I just think when I look at a clusterfuck, and it's to me a clusterfuck is like something like like what the fuck is going on like this is like gonna hurt the game it's gonna hurt the company it's gonna hurt sales um you know i i think we all saw highway pinball collapsing for a long long time i, I don't know if this year is the only year we saw that happening um but i think that jersey jack pinball by this point i think we all wanted mm -hmm. to see them have their shit together by now and for them once again to reveal a title and then take an entire year to get it out and have to remove stuff that they got as excited about. To me, that was the biggest clusterfuck because out of all the companies, I think they should have figured it out by now. I think that's a fair assessment. That probably wouldn't have been my top pick only because um, I don't know if I would consider it a clusterfuck or not overall. I mean, I think that it was certainly a big setback, and I think that even though it pissed a lot of people off, it – it wasn't an end-all, be-all to that game or the company right. as a whole. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, certainly it was very dramatic for a lot of people. I think that it became more dramatic than it should have been, uh, honestly. Uh, I think that that got blown way out of proportion. Um, I think, honestly, the biggest lesson learned from that was just maybe you would think that something like that would have been figured out sooner, that it wasn't going to be possible to mass-produce that, you know, that mechanism. So... Um, for me personally, uh, I think you bring up a really good point about the highway pinball collapse being something dragged out for so long, um, that the writing was 
was on the wall for a while. And anybody that was blind to that was just really a naive individual. But personally, I do still think that that was a massive clusterfuck, how that all went down, how Andrew more or less got absolved of the company by just leaving and just left all these issues to these other investors who then didn't do anything either with, with all of these problems. And they tried to get the games out as best as they could. But overall, I think that just the, the long drawn out nature of the whole alien saga and the collapse of that company, I think that was a much bigger clusterfuck, honestly. And, and I, I would say that Dutch pinballs issues is a pretty close second to that because even though they haven't officially collapsed yet, they're on the brink of that. I mean, they're the writing's also on the wall for those guys. And this is another game that's been dragged out for way too long. And it's just been back and forth screwing the, the pre-order, you know, buyers along and, you know, overall, I think that those have been two of the biggest things that have hurt this hobby. I, you know what? I, I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I, I do think that the highway collapse is ridiculous. I also, the only reason why Dutch Pinball is not out of business the same way Highway Pinball is out of business, Blake, is they don't actually have a factory where they can hang a sign that says out of fucking business. Right. There is that's no true. factory. <laughs> there, that's, like, a, that's a good point. There, there's no momentum. There's nothing going on. This company's done. They've been done yeah. since we said they would be done like a year. They, they've, there is nothing, there's nothing happening. Remember they said there was going to be like a lunch with the lawyers. That was like three, four months ago. What, yeah. what was the result? The last I heard is, is I, I think Yop is sick and it, it put a fork in this thing. I mean, I hope he gets better, but it's, it's over. All right. Those were some good answers. Some very good answers. Now you go first on this one. The worst pinball book deal this is stupid <laughs> this is easy all right but this is funny though. So, so the, we have the todd yeah, the todd tucky pinball adventures doubles as toilet paper thanks to paper quality actually at stern's 30th anniversary book hey they just hired an intern um yeah that's the book that is like crowdsourced that just the coffee table book that just oh well has, has you're, never you're been... talking you're talking to one of the suckers that fell for the 30th anniversary book deal so uh that was definitely my number one pick uh i you know honestly i haven't really been stressed out about the whole thing even though i you know was in on it as well um but oh my god has that the whole Todd Tucky thing has been a mess and it really only became super dramatic because the editor got online and, uh, you know, started posting all this negative stuff about him. But I really think that this goes to the stern 30th book, especially for a book that's been endorsed by the major manufacturer in this industry. And it's just crickets. Nobody's being held accountable and, uh, there's nothing to be seen from this thing except, Hey, they just hired an intern. Apparently, you know what? I agree with you i also think that the stern thing is the worst and the reason why is i actually think that the todd tucky book deal um is probably one of the best pinball book deals because it resulted in so much awesome uh back and forth with him and the editor on pinside that was probably one of the most entertaining threads i've ever read i mean <laughs> it, I, I hope every pinball book deal goes this south and this sour so quickly <laughs> because it's so much more fun like we don't really need another book about pinball what we do need are two grown men like lobbing shit at each other on pinside it was awesome to read how much those guys were going back and forth. I love well, apparently, apparently we're going to have nine more editions to go through this. <laughs> yeah. Reading that thread was, is better than reading any pinball book I've ever read. Yeah. Bar, it, bar none. 
it, it, it probably is more interesting than the book itself actually is. Absolutely. Um, right. The Stern, the thing about the Stern 30th book that just irritates me is that that had so much potential to be a good book. And I'm not saying that it's not going to come out. I mean, I've kind of written my money off and, and hey, you know, shit happens. But uh, just the way that it's been so mismanaged and how people have just been blatantly lied to. And then this guy, Joe, who was spearheading the whole Kickstarter, just disappeared from Pinside after he got everybody's money. You know, he's basically the Kevin Kulik of, you know, the pinball book industry. Right. Well, you know, 99.9% of people on planet Earth won't even know that he fucked up a pinball book. That's um, right. All right. So worst new pinball reveal. Now, what I'm assuming they're talking about here is when the game was revealed. This game, out of all game reveals, was the worst of the year. So we have Deadpool from Stern. We have Mafia from Team Pinball. We have Beatles from Stern. We have Iron Maiden from Stern. We have Supreme from Stern. We have Alice Cooper from Spooky. We have Monster Bash Remake from Chicago Gaming Company. We have Oktoberfest from American Pinball. They're missing games here. You know, they're, they're missing Pirates of the Caribbean reveal. Yeah. They're missing okay, they're missing that, which is big. Um they need to get that onto this list. But so in terms of like a reveal, Blake, um you know, I, I think what I what I think about when I think about reveal is like here's how the world saw this game for the first time, right? I, I don't I don't think it's like this isn't there's gonna be categories for worse theme and whatnot, but this is just how the game dropped into the world. Um is this mine or yours? I think this one. I think this one's yours. Okay, so I think the worst reveal of a game. You know, it's hard because like I, I look at reveal like the way you actually brought it out into the world, and I, and I think like you know American Pinball did a good job with how they gave us all the assets and they had gameplay right away. Um, Monster yeah. Bash did the same thing. Um, you know, look, I I'm just gonna say this because when I think all Stern reveals are pretty, pretty you know, down to, um, you know, they got it down to a formula but by this point. I would say that I think Spooky's reveal of Alice Cooper to me was the worst one, and I'm going to explain why, because I was there. I was in the room when Chuck revealed Alice Cooper Nightmare Castle to the world, okay? They didn't have high-res images ready to show the world. They didn't have video of the game showing people all the gameplay of the game. Chuck sort of stood next to the machine when they took off the, you know, the, the sheet and didn't really have much to say. He kind of like was like choking up a little bit for like a loss for words. He didn't tell us much of anything. And then they just threw the game onto the show floor. And I'm just thinking to myself, here you are revealing your game for the first time to the entire world. And you don't even have like assets ready so people on the internet can actually see the game in its best light and at the same time you're asking people to give $1,000 non-refundable deposits and you can't even really articulate why we should go in on it other than saying doesn't it look good so that's my vote for again I'm looking at this just through like how you would reveal a game yeah I think that's I think it's fair to say that you know, these companies should have learned by this point now that, 
you absolutely have to be ready to roll this thing out in a polished format. You've, you know exactly what everybody's going to want to see. They're going to want to see close-up, high-res photos of the games, and they're going to want to see gameplay immediately. Those are the two things, because the majority of the people that are going to buy these things are not going to be at the shows necessarily to see them in person. So um, I totally agree with you that that's always something that could be done better. I think Stern's gotten a lot better at it, and I think some of the other the other manufacturers have, have certainly started to get better as well. Um, the way I looked at this category, I kind of looked at it in a couple different ways. I looked at it from the standpoint of who screwed up the most by revealing a game and dragging the production to shipment time frame out so long. And I feel like Jersey Jack had a huge issue with that. I do think that it took spooky longer to get Alice Cooper out than they wanted to. Um, and ultimately I think the most bumbled reveal of a game, I, I got to give it to monster bash, to be honest with you. And the reason for that is because they came out and said that it was going to be at TPF. Then about a week before TPF, they came out and said, nope, sorry, we don't feel like it's ready. It's not going to be at TPF, but we're going to have it ready to show you guys in a few weeks afterwards. Well, a few weeks after the show goes by, nothing. It's just crickets. And all this time goes by. We go through the entire yeah, summer, like and, and, and finally, somebody goes and looks up uh, the the UL certification to see that, yep, it looks like Monster Bash is in fact the next game. Because remember, we were all still going, people were going back and forth on Monster Bash or Big Bang Bar or even Cactus Canyon. And so um, finally they came out and said, oh, yeah, you got us. It is Monster Bash. Um, you know, we'll have something to show you soon. Well, another couple months goes by. Then the pictures of the topper get leaked out because they start asking for you know test players and stuff. I just think that the whole rollout of that game, even though I just played one for the first time this weekend, it's a beautiful, amazing game that's even better than Attack from Mars, but the whole rollout of that game was so disjointed. Um, I really thought felt like that they had the a lot of lack of control in terms of how that got rolled out. And they could have, they could have been taking all that time when the game was getting prepared for the production line to start revealing close up photos of the game, giving people little teasers here and there of it, you know, wet their appetite a little bit. And ultimately I think the biggest mistake is that they missed the entire, you know, roughly six month window they had to sell that game before monsters comes out. Right. You know, I, I think you're right. I, I think when you look at it and you zoom out, they revealed that game with just a Facebook post with no photos, no nothing other than text. They confirmed what it would be. That's a reveal. That's a fucking reveal. Yeah. And that is probably the most piss poor way to reveal a game. At least Chuck brought out the fucking machine. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, he dressed up like Alice Cooper, which was awesome. I think that nerves aside, because I do think that they were very proud of the product they were putting out there. I think that because everybody kind of knew monster bash was coming, that just the way it was revealed and the, I think it was a missed opportunity to slowly, you know, uh, slow burn reveal little bits and pieces of that game to maintain that hype. And everybody would have forgotten about these long delays over the course of the summer if they had been doing that. Right. The one thing I, I, I wish I could um, lend people in terms of advice, if you're going to reveal a game at a show, 
besides the game itself, please put together a PowerPoint presentation that doesn't look like it was made by a fucking second grader. <laughs> I mean, seriously, have these people never understood? Like, PowerPoint can be a beautiful visual journey and tell a beautiful story, but literally... It's like second grader PowerPoint. Like, grow up, people. You're in the yeah. big leagues of pinball now. Yeah, that that's something that still continues to bother me, just partially because that's part of my job. It's what I yeah. do on I mean, a daily basis. Make, but I mean, all we do is make decks all day long. Yeah, they look good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's taking a concept that may not be digestible for the general public and getting it into a format that is exciting. It's visually interesting, and it talks to the level of the audience that you're trying to talk to. And, you know, it is frustrating when you see just these these really homemade PowerPoint slide decks. I mean, look, if any of the manufacturers want help, I'm available. I'll be glad to help any right. of them out with anything right. they need because it could be better. Right. All right, moving on. Worst bang for the buck, the biggest ripoff. Now, I think this is you first. We've got Thunderbirds at $5,000. We've got Supreme at $10,000. We have Mafia at $7,500. I can't even help but laugh when I say it. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean at $8,500. Houdini at $7,000. Iron Maiden at six. This is kind of weird, though, too, because these guys have, like, some of them are pro prices. Some of them are LE prices. Like, Alice yeah. Cooper at 6.3, um, Deadpool at 6. These are the pro prices for Stern, and then Beatles at Stern. Or, sorry, Beatles for 8. So the biggest ripoff on this list, in your mind, is what, Blake? Uh, hands down, it goes to Mafia. <laughs> mafia <laughs> Mafia is, you know, I can, I can at least look at the Beatles Gold Edition for 8K, and now even Primus at 8K. And I can at least see a gorgeous, handmade, beautiful art package on that game. They at least added a few interesting. Well, I was, they they added a couple of magnets to the Beatles, which at least does change the gameplay a little bit. Primus, um, even though that's not one of the ones listed here because it's brand new, I will say that for 8K, you're at least getting it personally signed by the band. Look, you don't. It you is don't have, a like, limited. You don't, you don't have to like. But mafia, yeah, mafia. Yeah, you could just stop. Just, you could stop like this. My friend uh, says to me, he's like, Chris, why does this game about the mafia have art on the side where the guy's wearing like a ten-gallon western hat? <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? You're right. It is that game. Look, those guys tried to get me to help them with marketing, and when they told me the price of the game, I said, "There's nothing I can do." nobody's going to buy this game at 7,500. Um, yeah. So we both agree on that. Um, all right. The worst game of the year. This is like, we're getting, this is like really strident territory now. I think I might have to get Brenda to get me a little bit more whiskey. Um, <laughs> we have Pirates of the Caribbean. Now this is totally subjective. Alice Cooper by Spooky. Let me also say that, Blake, I haven't hardly played, like I haven't played all these games. So this is also like, I don't know how you judge the worst if you haven't played it. Um, Beatles by Stern, which nobody's really played yet. Deadpool, Supreme, Thunderbirds, Iron Maiden, and Houdini. Now, I'm, I'm also curious. Is like they didn't put like Oktoberfest in here. Um, anything else they're missing? I don't know. No, these are um, all the, these are all the new ones. Yeah, I mean, this is mostly stuff that's out even though i mean i think if beatles is going to be on there then oktoberfest should be on there you know um 
Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you are. I have not played all of these games. There are three of them that I have not played. Um, But I was kind of split between two of these. And I'll just just go out and say, I was split between Thunderbirds and Supreme. And I, I put Supreme in there because it's a game that, Nobody has asked for, nobody wanted. It's not a theme that you would think would translate well into pinball that you could build an entire package around for a pinball machine. Thunderbirds, on the other hand, while I don't personally don't think it's a great theme, I had a hard time seeing the appeal. I and I and I was familiar with the theme. I even had to ask a friend that's from Australia, you know is this theme really that big of a deal in that market? And he said, yes, it actually is. Um, but I think that that's a theme that at least you can build a complete game around. However, just from the gameplay, the sound effects, animation integration, I feel like Thunderbirds is a little bit more lackluster of a pinball machine than even Supreme is. Right. Okay. So, you know, worst game of the year is just, it's a really um, ambiguous phrase, right? Like what, constitutes the worst game of the year now look i will say this i in defense of supreme i actually think that supreme is probably the best game i would like to own if i was a pinball flipper because i could buy this thing for 10 and sell for 20 tomorrow and and be laughing all the way to the bank and i i think it is actually a cool work of art for the supreme collector base um and it's not meant for like pinball enthusiasts which is weird right so but I think the worst game of the year, if I were just... Because I almost, I almost like remove Supreme from this as being like a separate thing because it's not meant yeah. for pinball people. Um, you know, then I'm, then I'm looking at Thunderbirds with you and I'm looking at... You know, I have to say like Houdini because I, I think to me it's like, which game shoots like shit? <laughs> you know, like... And, 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 and the game that frustrates me the most out of all of these... I haven't played Thunderbirds yet, but it's a toss-up between Houdini and Thunderbirds, and I think very much the same. I think Thunderbirds has a a worse theme than Houdini, but to me, Houdini is is one of the worst shooting pins because the shots are so damn tight, and I just don't think a pinball machine should be that frustrating. I can hear Zach Many right now. It's straight down the middle, but even like, but Chris, I gave it a B plus. Like everything gets a B plus on straight down the middle, Zach. You know, you you gotta give something a C, man. You gotta give stuff a C. Uh, but the thing is, is I I just think Houdini just like just shoots really bad. Um, but I do agree with you. I would give Thunderbirds as the worst just because. I think if you're going to make a theme, at least Houdini has more of an appeal in America. And with the U.S. being the number one pinball buying market in the world, to pick a theme that nobody in America likes, to me, is the dumbest decision. So, And I know we're going to get the theme, but I think that's the worst game of the year. All right, so let's yeah. go on to worst display animations. All right, so we've got Thunderbirds. We've got Alice Cooper. We've got Beatles, we've got Iron Maiden, we've got Supreme, we've got Houdini, we've got Pirates, and we've got Deadpool. Now this is worth display animations. Now some of these are DMD versus LCD, which isn't even fair, but um, right. I think, is this you, Blake? I think, take this one. It doesn't even matter anymore. 
I'm I'm going to I'm gonna once again to me this is a toss up between Thunderbirds and Supreme, and I say Supreme yet again because what content do you really have to build any animations off of for a theme like that? Like you said, it's it's more of a work of art. It's more for the non-pinball collector buyer base anyways. So it, it sort of is in its own category. But um, I also think Thunderbirds... I think Thunderbirds needs to take this one simply because... They could have gone the LCD route. They knew the machines were going with LCDs and that that's what the competition was going to have. And they still went with the DMD anyways, regardless of whether it was more cost effective or because they didn't want to develop the animations for LCDs or whatever. But I still think that that was a bad idea to do that. And I I 100% agree. I'm going to pick Thunderbirds as well. And here's why. Supreme is a contract manufactured game by Stern. It is not fair for it to be in these categories. Um, I I didn't even notice any animations on the Supreme Pinball Machine, but it didn't matter because that game is not designed to show me animations. The fact that Mike chose to use DMD and orange dots, not even colored dots, when colored DMD is a thing, right? right? In 2018 is when his game is coming out, makes it by far the worst-looking display animations by any new pinball manufacturer out there ever, and he should be ashamed of himself that he's using orange DMD dots in 2018. I, I, the game looks like shit because of that, in terms of display. Um, all right. Worst layout gameplay. Deadpool, Iron Maiden, Supreme... Uh, you know, we should just like remove Supreme from this. Can we just like skip it, Blake? I'm, cool, just, I'm cool with that because it's... it's not. It's, it shouldn't uh, be on keep, here. Yeah, I keep going back to it, but there's always a caveat that this game really shouldn't be compared to some of these other games. No, you know, it's like, it's like put put the the Can Crusher game on, put put Primus on here. I mean, these are you can't put a contract manufacturer game on to this list because I think it's unfair. Because I think what the Torpies are trying to get to is you know who fucked up the most, right? But right. when you contract manufacture a game, you're not fucking up. Like Stern, like Spooky didn't fuck up Jetsons. Like they didn't design it. Like, or, right. You know, so uh, let's just remove Supreme. So we've got Deadpool, right. Iron Maiden, Houdini, Thunderbirds, Alice Cooper, Beatles, and Pirates of the Caribbean. And then this is the worst layout gameplay. Um. Well, once again, because I haven't played it, it's probably not fair. But I think I think Thunderbirds is the is still the worst <laughs> layout. Honestly, I I you know I'm sorry to keep shitting on this game, but I just from what I've seen, the videos, just the feedback people have provided on it, um, it just seems like they just really missed the boat in terms of geometry and really laying this thing out to where it shoots smoothly. Um, I, I'll I'll take I'll take tight shots on Houdini any day of the week. Because at least that was a unique custom layout that was done, you know, for that game. Right, right. All right. No, I, I, I think that's that's totally fair, you know. And I, I'm getting like I'm in between those two titles because Houdini and, and Thunderbirds. That, my my whole thing is this: the reason why I'm going to give it to Houdini for worst layout is it, Blake. Who designed Thunderbirds? Uh, who knows? <laughs> I, exactly. Who designed Houdini? Joe Balser. Joe Balser fucking knows better. 
True. He he knows he's got three decades of designing pinball machines, and he wants to fucking design Houdini to have shots that tight. Shame on you, Joe. Shame <laughs> on you all the way to the Twerpy Award because that is bullshit to me. I I am more frustrated by people who know better. Right? It's like it's like if a kid doesn't know any better and he fucking does something wrong, you can't be that mad at him. I can't be that mad at Mike for this this, this layout. But Joe Balser, he fucking knows better. And he still had to add in all those shots to the point where like some of those shots, Blake, they're it's barely bigger than the size of a ball, the opening of a shot. No, it's it's a valid point. I mean, it's personally, I like the game. I don't mind the way it shoots, um, and, and I'll certainly give Joe credit for trying some different things with it. But yeah, it definitely could be better All right. uh, overall. So yeah, I, I think I think that, I think that's a fair criticism on your point. Okay, the worst toys and gimmicks. Again, we're going to remove Supreme from this list because it has none. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Alice Cooper. Um, Iron Maiden, Houdini, Beatles, Thunderbirds, Pirates of the Caribbean, and Deadpool. Hmm. Um, I think, you know, in terms of, I think the Beatles has the worst gimmicks and toys. Um, it's kind of hard to... It's kind of hard to criticize that because it's based on an old game that did not have any gimmicks and toys in it. So, so I'll say this: for a game that was designed in the modern era, that should have had modern gimmicks and stuff, I'm I'm actually going to say that Deadpool has some of the most lackluster gimmicks in my opinion. I I think that other than an interesting ramp layout, um, what's it got? It's got a small disco ball that spins around but otherwise there's really not a whole lot to that game right yeah i agree i don't again i think beatles too it's not fair it's like a reskin of an old game it's like okay so i look at this as like a modern pinball machine that came out in 2018 like which one had the least inventive toys in it right right and i am going to say i actually think iron maiden i mean i i look at maiden and I'm like, what? Where is where is there anything in this game to look at and get excited by? I get the game's got amazing flow, amazing flow. Yeah. Elwin's design is incredible. There's nothing from a toy standpoint that is at all interesting in this game. I mean, at least I've got the disco ball. At least I've got the the drop targets with the bobblehead Deadpool figure above it. At least I have the the sword lock. Albeit not the most original thing ever since we saw it in Lord of the Rings, kind of. But I just feel like Maiden's got nothing. Yeah, I mean, there there's not a whole lot to that game. But I will say, I feel like there's a little bit more ingenuity in the sarcophagus ball lock where you actually kick the balls out via hitting the Newton ball. That's something that I can't say I've seen very often in any other games or ever before. So... To me, that's at least a little bit more creative and a little bit more unique compared to... What, then a chimichanga uh, truck that does nothing? Right. <laughs> or even a, the, the disco ball. The disco ball spins around. It's a, it's a 10-cent ornament you can put on your Christmas tree. You know, it's um, the, the <laughs> drop targets, the drop targets with the bobblehead. I mean, we've seen all of that recycled through these games. Um at least on Iron Maiden, and and I I'll be the first to admit that I'm disappointed with the overall toys and gimmicks on that game. But at least 
sending the ball up the ramp behind the backboard and then down into that sarcophagus to lock the balls and then having to hit them out via Newton ball, that's at least something a little bit more unique. Absolutely. I don't think that it's I don't think that it's it's justified, you know, between the pro and the premium LE models in terms of cost, but I do think that that's a little bit more unique than the katana ball lock that we've seen on Game of Thrones and Lord of the Rings and all these other games. Right. I'll give you that. I mean, Stern, when it comes to toys, Stern sucks. Like, let's just be honest. Like, you could count on one hand um, great toys from Stern. They, they've done brilliant stuff, and that's why I've, I get frustrated when I see games that you could just tell they just just chopped it down with the budget and did not want to include anything that really was going to be a new custom mechanism that required either more time on the line to get it installed or, you know, just more, more cost and parts and all this other stuff. So, you know, look, you know, I like Ghostbusters, but I think Ghostbusters has got some of the best toys that Stern's ever put into a game. So, you know, they can do it. (laughs) Right. No, I mean, Ghostbusters, I, God, that game frustrates me because it just should have been, the modern classic we were all waiting for, and God, they got so close, and God, they fucked yeah. it up so awesomely. All right, the next is the worst rules and code in a game. Again, a little early for some of these titles, but Alice Cooper, Thunderbirds, Deadpool, Beatles, Supreme, which we'll forget about because it has none, um, yeah. <laughs> Houdini, Pirates of the Caribbean, and Iron Maiden. What is the worst code and rule set, you think, Blake? Oh, man. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. <sighs> Pirates of the Caribbean drives me nuts just because of how it's, it's, it is the <laughs> most in-depth, most immersive rule set that's probably ever been put into a pinball machine, but it's also the most unapproachable rule set that's ever been put into a pinball machine. Um, and, and that kind of drives me nuts, honestly. Yeah. I mean, for for people that I know that know how to play pinball really well, and they're very intuitive about it, to see them approach a machine and still not know what the hell they're doing, that's when maybe you've put a little too much into a game, you know? And so I, I hate to say that it's worse coding and rules because it's all very well done for what's there. It's just too much. Um you know, if I was to to look at just a game that just had truly lackluster code and all that, then I would probably say Thunderbirds. Right. Yeah. And and I agree with you. And and it, it it's so ironic that probably the most complex, the most thought out code of all time, because he's had a year to like, you know, even finesse it, is also I think the worst because it's it's so overly complex. I think the worst idea ever was to be able to select from 22 different characters just to start your pinball journey and to have to memorize 22 different benefits. And then even to this day, Blake, I, you, I don't even know what to do in the game. Like, what am I trying to do? Yeah, I mean, I'll say this. It's um, 
it's difficult enough just to start a mode in that game. And, and I, I at least know how to do that on the machine. But in order to do that, you've got to hit literally the farthest shot away from the flippers on the machine. And when it gets out of that magnetic uh, you know, target area in the back by the chest, half the time the ball just dribbles down the middle uh, drain You know, whenever it comes out. And that's what you've got to hit in order to light a mode and then shoot the maelstrom ramp just to start it. So it's um, – Eh, it's just it's too much i mean it should it should have been if you're i i i truly applaud them for including all of the movies into that machine because as a as a completist i love movies i i like collecting all movies in a series uh regardless of how bad they may be Uh, you know i do find it frustrating that if you're going to put that much content in there at least make it easier to get to get to the one of those modes to get something no, but started, there, but there is know? no content from any of the movies in the game. Well, well, okay. Wait, I we'll, mean, we'll talk about yeah, this but, later, but I mean, but. There, you know, if you look at the breakdown of it, they have included stuff that equally represents every film in the series. Right. You know, so I'll, I'll applaud them for that because there are machines out there that have had sequels that I would have liked to have seen more from those sequels than what actually got incorporated. Do you, you know? ever see like? You know, there's like an image of a pole that has like, like, fifty different arrow signs, like directing you towards different cities and towns. That's what Pirates of the Caribbean feels like to me. Like, I don't know which way to go. There, there's like, there's two hundred inserts on the goddamn playfield. Everything's lighting up all the time. Um, I, I, you know, where when I play Batman, it's like, okay, well, Chris, explain the. What, what the goal of this game is. It's like, well, you're Batman and Robin. You play as them. I don't have to select any character. And you need to jail the villains. And right. here's how you do that. And it's real simple. You hit each shot twice, you start a mode. Pick up the fucking phone. Like, it's so simple. I literally, I can't stand the pirate's coding. Anyway, all right. So, the worst artwork. Now, this is the worst artwork. Playfield, cabinet, backlash combined. Deadpool. Let's just I, Zombie Yeti will never lose a, a worst artwork category. Deadpool, no. Iron Maiden, Pirates of the Caribbean, Beatles, Supreme, Houdini, Thunderbirds, Alice Cooper. I'm also gonna add to this list, and it should be on this fucking list. Come on, you guys, you can't have Oktoberfest and some but not others. Oktoberfest needs to be on this. Yeah, so so I'll say this. My initial go to for this was supreme but there is no art that is the supreme art style is right there is absolutely zero art and and my i think that it was the most uninventive you know uh, you know just truly unimaginative you know art package but here's the thing you know since i you know you and i both have to work with clients all the time where we're trying to visualize their brand to the fullest potential and what Stern did with that is incredibly in brand for that brand. You know, I do think that going vertically down the back glass into the play field with the, the logo itself was actually quite interesting, but in terms of just worse overall artwork, that's it because there is none. So even though I know we're kind of tossing that one out, I think second to that, um, this is one area where I actually think, home pin did a great job with thunderbirds i think it's actually a beautiful colorful art package on the game uh i'm not 
overly wild about all of the the puppet heads are all kind of creepy looking and they all look very similar which makes it feel very redundant but the way things are rendered is really not that bad on that game i've i think there are worse art packages than that out there right. um i would say in terms of oktoberfest there are things that are fantastically well done. I think the cabinet's actually really, really well done other than cutting off the name, you know, in half on both sides. Um, the play field on Oktoberfest is what kind of drives me nuts because there's a lot going on on there. That's, you know, where the assets were pulled off the internet. It's not very consistently pulled together in terms of what's, you know, in an illustrative style versus what's in a Photoshop cut and paste sort of style. Right. And so I think that there is some disjointedness going on there that could certainly be better. Okay. Um, I'm my vote for worst artwork that I've seen all year without a doubt is Oktoberfest. I, I, and the game looks like three different artists were working on three separate art styles. They slapped everything down. There's absolutely no cohesion to it. I, I think it, it just looks silly that way. And, and I think you've, you, you have to, knowing what they needed to do, they knew they needed art that was as good as Jersey Jack and Stern and spooky art, which is now incredible as well. I, I think it's fucking embarrassing that American Pinball decided that this is good enough. They only have one game, Blake. They don't have, like, three other games or four games. Like, they needed to nail this fucking game. And, like, no one's complaining about Balser's layout. No one's complaining about the toys. No one's complaining about anything other than the fucking art. And the art should be the easiest thing to get right. So that is why Oktoberfest gets my vote. All right. Yeah, th- there were things that were done really well on there. I think that the overall use of text and the logos and all of that are, are rendered beautifully on that game. Uh, and I do think that they captured the atmosphere of, of the theme that they were trying to work with. But man, it's like like you said, there's just a lack of cohesion in a lot of ways. And I think too much of it has a Where's Waldo feel. Yeah, totally. All right, so worst music and sound, everything but call out. So this is the music and sound in the game. Um, Alice Cooper, Pirates of the Caribbean, Deadpool, Beatles, Houdini, Thunderbirds, Iron Maiden, and Supreme. We'll put Supreme back into this one. I mean, you, if you want to, I mean, again, I just think you remove it. I just, I just can't. It's just, it's stupid. Supreme would almost win well, every single category in the Torpies, right? Because of it's not meant to be a pinball game. Here, here's the thing. I actually did not pick Supreme on this one because if you actually have listened to the sounds, it's actually got some really cool classic pinball sound effects going on, you know, with right. that game. And that was something that I really loved a lot about Deadpool as well. I loved hearing some of those old Williams, you know, sound effects and stuff. And so I think Supreme actually did pretty well in terms of just sound. Given that you you've got a theme where there are, you can't really associate any famous call outs or dialogue or anything with that brand. Um, I think they did well. Um, I think that I think that Houdini maybe could have been a little bit better. I think that the um, I think it's it's sort of on point with the theme, but I, I don't listen to the music being played in that game and find it to be really that catchy or 
to be something that draws me into the game because I've music is a big part of these games when I play it and I want the the tempo and the um, pace of the music to really draw me in kind of get my my adrenaline pumping and, and make me want to play this game even more and kind of keep things going. And that right. was something that, you know, the old machines back in the eighties the used to do really well. You know, the, the better you did, the music would just pick up more and more and it, it really kept you engaged in the game. So right. I think that could have been done a little bit better on Houdini. Right. So my pick is going to be weird. It's a very personal pick for me and my worst music is Iron Maiden. And I'll tell you why. I just don't like Iron Maiden music at all. And I and yeah. I think we saw this a lot in people wanting to buy this game. I've never seen a music pin where people so love the layout of the game, but they're like, I really can't stand listening to Iron Maiden music. We're, to the point where people were actually trying to use like pin sound to change the band's music into something else just so they could enjoy Elwyn's layout. And I and I and again I, I think maiden music is just so polarizing that people either love it or hate it. But if you hate Iron Maiden music, and I'm not saying I hate it, I just don't appreciate it. I can never own an Iron Maiden pinball machine, regardless of the layout or how beautiful the artwork was, just because I don't want to listen to that fucking music. <laughs> like at it, all. That's totally I think that's totally fair. I mean it actually kind of had an opposite effect on me. I was only familiar with like one or two of their songs before the game came out. And even though I knew who they were, I was very familiar with the band itself. But uh, I really never sat down and appreciated their music until I played that game. And, and I think that the music actually is great for pinball in terms of just the sound and how it really does have an energy to it that, you know, makes you want to keep playing the game. Uh, but, but with that said, that's the thing about these music pinball machines. You know, if you hate the band, then chances are you're not going to like the game, even if you like shooting it, you know? Yep. Totally. I, I never understand. I would never buy a band's pinball machine unless I love the band. I, I literally, I don't understand why you would. Um, all right. So worst call outs voice work. So this is the actual, the voice call outs. So Houdini, Beatles, Thunderbirds, Pirates of the Caribbean, Iron Maiden, Alice Cooper, and Deadpool. Ah, oh, so the worst callouts. Hmm. I can't say I'm really that familiar with whatever callouts are on Thunderbirds, to be honest with you. I'm not really sure what they what all they did for that. Um I will say that I think the callouts on Houdini can be a little grating. I think that they drag a little bit. They don't they're they're not spit out quickly enough for the pace of the game. And I think that that slows down the gameplay a little bit. Right. So uh, even though the, the sound, the vocals might be era accurate to Houdini and they tried to mimic that as best as possible. I really applaud them for doing that, but that, you know, turn of the century dialogue uh, is just not really right for pinball, you right. know? And I, I don't necessarily have an al alternative option for them. I don't know what they could have done necessarily, um, but it's just, you know, I think that that kind of, uh, I think that affects the energy of the game a little bit. Right. So mine here is Deadpool. And let me explain. 
Interesting. Yeah. I'll tell you why, Blake. Let me get one more <laughs> sip of whiskey right here. Hold on. <laughs> Deadpool is an R-rated comic and movie. <laughs> and I'm playing a fucking game that's made for fucking my nephew. Right, I'm going to go Tony Montani on this one. Like, what is this, Chico? What, what, is, what is this PG, PG call-out on Deadpool? And, like, I, I'm seriously, I, I think, for me, Deadpool is, is such a miss because they took an R-rated franchise and they, they went soft. And so the call-outs are soft. They're not that funny. They're actually, like, kind of embarrassing coming from a Deadpool machine. I mean, I want, you know, you're talking, like, guys between the ages of 40 and 60 drinking beers in a room and I can't get anything inappropriately said to me on my Deadpool machine <laughs> and I'm going to pay $9,000 for this and hear like some fucking kitty jokes. Worst call outs for a pin ever. There should have at least been an adult mode for that game. And, yeah, and I'm really, I'm really surprised that there wasn't an adult mode. Like I'm, I'm all about them trying to branch out to a wider target audience and trying to get kids engaged, especially with how colorful the art package and everything is on it. Um, but that should have been a given to have an adult mode on that I mean, machine. I mean, at what age? And I'm not a parent yet, but at what age is it okay to tell your kid to fuck off? Because that's probably the same age they actually are good at pinball. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. So we got we got two more. We're coming to the end of this incredible journey, um, and we'll, we'll we'll have to see Blake where our answers net out against the actual results of, of the Torpy Awards. So it's interesting. We're we're a little bit ahead of the game here. So the next one is the worst theme integration. The worst world under glass, a, a, a phrase coined by Canada years ago, centuries ago, I came up with this phrase. Um, we have Pirates of the Caribbean, Beatles. I love how these lists keep changing, like the number of games keeps changing. <laughs> I feel like Marty and Ryan need to go back and realize, like, they it should all be the same games, guys. Like, insert Marty laugh track. You fucked up, Marty. Is that funny? <laughs> the, the, I feel like Marty's like, you know, like, what, Joe Pesci and... um. Goodfellas is like, am, am I funny to you? Do I make you laugh? Like how? How how am I funny? Right? And then you insert the Marty laugh track right now for a few seconds. Hold on, Blake. Let's take a pause. Okay. So this is the worst theme integration. We have Pirates of the Caribbean, Beatles, Alice Cooper, Thunderbirds, Iron Maiden, Houdini, Deadpool, and fucking Supreme. It, it, Supreme is just like like a like like a tick that just won't go away <laughs> like it, it just shouldn't be it just it's annoying that it's in all of these well I, like you said earlier i think that i think supreme actually wins i know you know on most of these because <laughs> because it doesn't have the majority of these things you know I, personally i rank supreme as the worst world under glass uh, i appreciate what they were trying to do with it however i think that even with that brand being what it is, they probably could have tapped into what are people collecting from that brand, even though they right, just slapped right. that stuff you on anything and like, everything. It, it, you know, it, what, what is the culture that collects that brand? And I think that should have been what that world under the playfield glasses. Right. You could have had like the Supreme punching bag that was a bash toy. You could have had a Louis Vuitton trunk. You could have had the brick. Yeah. You could have all the different Supreme, like the iconic Supreme collectible items like in the game. 
Right. I mean, I, I think that even they could have recycled some of the the city skyline plastics from Ghostbusters and and turn them, you know, red and white instead of blue and white or blue and yellow, and and you know try to capture. I mean, Supreme sort of a it's an urban like streetwear kind of thing, isn't it? So so you know they could have tapped into that you know, aspect of it as well. And, and really created some more depth and height to the game. And I think all of that was, I will say that was a missed opportunity for that game, no matter how cheap they were trying to make it, uh, and how artistic they were trying to be with the giant logo across the back box and the, um, and the play field. I still think that it probably could have been incorporated better. Right. So as much as I, I would love to say, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean, to me, it was like the worst theme integration in the sense of like you can't use the clips from the movie. But I look down at that game and I see Pirates of the Caribbean. I mean, it, it is a fucking world under glass. That Absolutely. So my vote for this is Beatles. And, and, and I'll tell you why. The Beatles, there, there's no theme integration other than art. Like none. The, the, yeah. The, there's not, there's not a, there's a, I mean, there's a spinning record. But the Beatles... When you just think about the Beatles as an entity, there there's so much of the Beatles world, the Beatles mania, even the different eras of Beatles. Um, you know, everything from yellow. I, everyone wanted Yellow Submarine, right? I mean, there's such a, a iconic and visual representation of that world. Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Heart, like the Beatles were this band where each one of their like iconic albums has this like world. And when I look at the error they went after, like the Ed Sullivan era Beatles, are right, but there's still like there's nothing there because they were, you know, they were they, they had their hands tied behind their back because they're just reskinning Seawitch, which didn't have anything in it to begin with. So it's like it's just art, and and you know I I would have loved yeah. to have seen a lot more of the 3D world of the Beatles come to life. I I just don't think there's a world under glass there at all. I think there's there's a there's Beatles artwork under glass, but there's no Beatles world under glass going on. Yeah, I think that that even even with the Sea Witch layout, they probably could have at least compensated more for that by having some three-dimensional sculpted items, you know, even around the corners and you know, the whole playfield is meant to look like this giant Beatlemania scrapbook effect and I think that they could have at least added some items that would have, you know, fit in with that better um so they're they're absolutely even for the the more simplistic uh em era whatever they want to call it type of a game that they were going at going for they probably still could have added some things to give the game a little bit more depth and to to make it feel a little bit more fleshed out if nothing else that was something they could have done for the diamond editions you know oh, don't even get me started um <laughs> you know worst bang for the buck how is diamond edition not on here like I, I just noticed that well they only had see they had beetles at 8k for worst bang for the buck Right, but literally twenty five thousand dollar diamond edition Beatles. How's on? How's on? Marty and Ryan, are you listening? Are you laughing at us? Laugh track insert. Um, how do you not have a twenty five thousand dollar Beatles diamond as the worst bang for the buck? Come on, guys. This list is not even like it's not. It's 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 half baked. Come on. All right, we're at the last thing here, and we're almost we're at we're almost we're at an hour twenty here. So we'll we, we'll wrap this up quickly, Blake. The worst theme of the year. This is based on theme only. Okay? Houdini. 
Supreme, there it is again, Alice Cooper, Pirates of the Caribbean, Thunderbirds, Iron Maiden, Deadpool, and Beatles. I think Supreme's the worst theme of the year. However, because that's a contract manufactured game, yeah, I think that count. in terms in terms of assessing your target audience, um, or let's just say assessing the market of collectors in general, I think Thunderbirds is hands down the worst theme. I think that regardless of how big that that theme may be in Australia. And even though they might be the second largest market, I think that by completely ignoring the U.S. market and picking a theme that nobody over here cares about was a horrible business decision. Um, and I think that that really was just something that nobody is was ever asking for or was ever going to ask for. Right. I. You know what? I agree. I mean, I, I'm a marketer. And, and I always harp on theme, 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 theme. Get it right. You know, if, if you build the right theme, the buyers will come. Um, this theme is ridiculous. There, there's no market data that would show you that this is the right theme to make. Um, my second place for this is Pirates. Again, I talked about this on my recently deleted episode. But the last four Pirates movies were, were panned by critics. Like, they weren't popular. Like, it's just... You know, and I also think like if you're gonna pick a theme, you, you need to be a hit. You know, and and there's no room for like a. Th- you shouldn't have to like warm up to a theme. You right. shouldn't. And and I... and there's so many themes that, you know, males forty to sixty who buy pinball machines are into, and you need to do your market research. But I definitely think that Thunderbirds was idiotic. I think sales will be abysmal on the game. And I'd be surprised if we ever see another game from home pen, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think that even though a theme like Iron Maiden, for example, can be extremely polarizing to people that either like the band or don't like the band, you know, that game was always going to be made at some point. Almost uh, interestingly, when you're doing a band theme machine, it's because of the music, but because of Iron Maiden's album artwork and the the way that their brand identity has been developed over the last number of decades you know that actually made it a great theme for pinball just as a whole just yeah, artwork I mean, look, and but, but, but you know like, energy you, alone yeah like absolutely like i mean how many albums has iron maiden sold i'm gonna just guess and say something like a hundred million albums probably worldwide right and and right. when you have a band of that magnitude uh, and you need to sell three to five thousand pinball machines, and rock and roll does really well with pinball machines. I don't think you know it, it's a, it's kind of a no brainer, and you know, and and so you know, I I, I think that theme was always going to do well. Yeah. You know, at, at the end of the day, this we've we've that concludes our torpies worst in pinball. And I'll say this, Blake. I mean, we'll, we'll do a little closing statements. I. I like I think there's a lot to be thankful for in pinball, but I am surprised that it's 2018. And I, I will say this: someone asked me a question the other day. They're like, "Chris, like, what do you consider to be any modern classic game?" And I was like, "You know what? You're kind of right. Like, I just, I still think that pinball struggles to bring real magic, magic, like, back into the pinball world i and maybe it never was there maybe we, we all have these like lofty expectations of what we think can happen in a pinball machine um but i still think for the amount of money we're spending 
and the amount of themes we're getting. I just wish the the magic was more in line with our imagination in in these themes. And and again, like I just I look at a lot of these games and there's like not a lot happening in them that probably could happen if there was more imagination and creativity going on in this hobby. I, I, I do. I feel like there's just a lack of pushing the envelope. And I think it's all because the main player in the hobby, Stern, which is on the list here all the time, they design games to a cost. And that's just the reality that we have to accept. Yeah, I mean, I'm uh, I'm with you. I'm very thankful for the the bounce back that the hobby has seen over the last few years i uh, i do think that we're seeing better pinball overall than we were seeing 10 years ago um i don't know that we're necessarily seeing the most inventive stuff today i do think that back in the 2000s regardless of the quality there was still some very interesting stuff being done but overall i'm really glad that you know pinball is still hanging in there i think that we've i think that the companies are trying hard to do better and to make better stuff and to do the things that people want to see. And that's why, you know, we're finally starting to chip away and see some of these themes that really should have been done 25 or 30 years ago, but are just now finally being done. So I'm, I'm still very much excited for what's to come from these companies. Uh, I just hope that, you know, more people don't get screwed over on anything. I hope that the companies that really, want to be in this to last can make it um, and, you know, continue to put forth all of their passion and their effort into these things. Uh, Because, you know, there are a lot of people that love this hobby they love the machines they have. And I think that the way that it brings people together, the social aspect of it is really the most rewarding aspect of all of it. So um, anyways, it's, it's interesting times. um, But I think we've still got some really great stuff ahead. Yep. Absolutely. And, you know, look, this is the Torpies. There, there's, I think there's far more good than bad in pinball. And what I love about pinball nowadays is you have options. You have options to buy all these new games that we just sort of railed on for an hour and a half. But there's all these new games that are, are, are bringing a lot of fun stuff to the pinball world. Plus, you can go buy all these games over the last, like, 30 years that are incredible. Um, that have been restored and have new LEDs and mods and all the fun stuff that goes along with pinball collecting. Um, So it is a good time. But I'll say this. I'll say this. I'm still waiting for the game that we can stand over and say, this is a modern classic. Yeah, I mean, I I do think that there will be something like that that comes along. I think that there have been a few games in the last five or six years that have been very, very close. Uh, that what really. What are your two? What are your two that you think were very close to being like they almost fucking nailed it on every level? Um, <laughs> Ghostbusters is one of them. I agree I with Ghost, that one. I think I think Ghostbusters was. Kind of like the first film, it was lightning in a bottle. Uh, you know, you can say what you want about some of the geometry issues, and there should have been some things tightened up a little bit more. But overall, I think that in terms of just the overall full package on that game, that was a true winner, and it feels like some of those games from the 90s. So that's one of them, and I think... Um, it's a little bit harder for me to say what a second one would be. I, I do think that there... 
have been other great games. I, I, okay. Personally, I think Batman 66, not just because you own one, but I do think that that is one of the most well-rounded games, but it's one game that I do wish there was more to it. You know, I wish, I do wish there was more there like Ghostbusters feels fleshed out, but, but overall, other than what you could have maybe added to the play field, which I think the mods have done well, you've got the custom costs, you've got the, you know, you've got all the clips and the audio and dialogue. You've, you've got the full package there. And I think that's a really great game. I think for Jersey Jack, I think wizard of Oz is, there's a reason it's been their best selling game. And I think that that has been a classic to some modern players that have just come into the scene in the last maybe 10 years. Um, so I think that they're, working hard. And I think they did some good work on that game, even though it, I'm not wild about it, but, um, right. but overall, um, there are more games that you keep feeling like there could have been more to it than games where you feel like they truly hit it out of the park. And, and if we could kind of turn the tide and, you know, sort of swing the pendulum the other way and have, more hits and fewer misses, then I think you'll really know that lessons are being learned. Right. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would agree with you. You know, I, I would say that the two I have, and then we'll, we'll conclude tonight. I, I think, you know, Ghostbusters had it all going for it. It should have been that modern classic to me. You know, I, I don't think you can put the shot geometry aside. Cause I don't think you could like, I don't think you can have a flipper gap like that and, and, and someone over at Stern's like, yeah, like let's let's ship this game with 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 a fucking Grand Canyon flipper gap in it. <laughs> like I, I and then and then the ball hopping over the rails and the outlands, inexcusable, right? I think yeah. that game also suffers from like one too many shots. Like take one shot out that's not necessary, maybe like the Newton ball shot on the left, and everything else becomes a lot more enjoyable to shoot. Um and also, like, you know you're moving to LCD. Why the fuck did they not make Ghostbusters the first LCD game uh, on a Stern platform, knowing that that's such a dream theme for so many people? So I think that's what missed it for me there. I do think Wizard of Oz should have been two. I think the only thing that keeps Waz back is is the shot geometry again. I, I, I think it's just not fun to shoot. I, I mean, yeah. it, everything's there, but it's just like a piss-poor design in terms of like the the the, the gameplay um and then I, the one that i say i still would say is this is the modern classic that everybody wanted and it, can you imagine if lyman sheets coded this game if it if he coded the big lebowski where we like oh. that's it yeah that's it world under glass great shots great layout great toys great mechanism upper playfield lower playfield bowling alley Everything about it. it's got the R-rated humor for like you know pinball collectors, and Lyman Sheets does the code on that game, and you've got the greatest pinball machine in the last twenty years. What I find ironic about that is is there are a lot of themes that I think are very naturally, you know, perfect for pinball. And the Big Lebowski, I agree with you. I think the Big Lebowski is a phenomenal game in terms of just its appearance and what they put into it. And it truly is that world under glass like Wizard of Oz is. But I don't think the Big Lebowski is a great theme for pinball. And they made it a good game overall. They really did. But I just still don't think it's that great of a theme for pinball. 
Um, I, I don't know what it is. I, I think it's maybe just kind of the humor of the game. I think it's the pace of the film. Um, there's just a lot that personally I'm looking for in a game that, you know, that I think makes it perfect and gives it that fun factor. Um, but I, I but I, I do think that. I do think that Big Lebowski was a a really brilliant effort. You know, overall. Before it, so. and then it and then it ended a horrible death. <laughs> <laughs> right, and like, then unfortunately nobody got their game. Yeah, and it forty people came. have it. Yeah, I mean, and, and I, I do want to say one thing. I do want to say we we've been ragging on these companies a lot tonight and stuff, and I, I do want everybody to know that you know I see the value. Like Jeremy was was bringing up the other day about if only you knew how much work went into these games and and the passion and all this stuff. I think we recognize these companies do work really hard to try to get this stuff done and that making these pinball machines is not easy. Uh, there is a lot of creativity that goes into it. Um, I think that there are just some things that could be done a little bit better as we've pointed out, but, but overall I don't want to knock the, the creative talent, uh, the artists, the designers, the the coders, and you know the sound and music guys that that do all of this hard work because it, it doesn't fall on deaf ears. It doesn't go unnoticed. Um, just everything you just got to have all the right ingredients to go together into the right package. And sometimes when one or two of those ingredients is maybe not quite as great as it could have been, sometimes it does have an overall larger impact to the game. But you know, I think that you and I can both agree that we recognize there's still a lot of people that work really hard to try to get these things done. Absolutely. I mean, it takes an army to make these games, and I, you know, I don't think I've ever felt like a like we we articulate a lack of appreciation. I just know for a fact that the designers want more in these games than they're allowed to put in them, and the one company that doesn't disallow the designers to put what they want in is Jersey Jack, which is why out of all the companies out there, Blake, the one that hurts me the most is watching Jack stumble time and time again to just yeah. get it right. They, they, Cause they're trying to go the extra mile and Stern's got to be laughing all the way to the bank as they watch like Jack ship out his pirates, of the Caribbean games. And there's nothing but problems. Cause he's probably, you know, I, I heard he's probably using like temp workers who don't really know how to put the games together because the line's not always moving. And it's just, it's, it's, it's a shame. It's total shame. Um, but look, you're right. A lot to look forward to. We can't, we can't get towards the two hour mark or else no. we'll, be, we'll be just like everybody else. And, and That's we'll, right. win, we'll win the twerpy, not the twippy. We won the twippy last year. We, we want to go two for two. That's right. Well, Blake, thank you so much for joining us on this Sunday evening edition of Canada's Pinball Podcast. Um, we always love having you on the show, and we will talk to you real soon. Sounds good, Chris. Thanks for the time, and um, hope you all have a great holiday season. All right. Gotta keep my head up cause life is about 